um, thank you so much for, for joining me in this discussion um, about learning and development. Um, for the record, I just want to introduce myself um, that you know me, but my name is Linda McKay and I teach a data management class uh, I've taught for a big data trunk. And we're seeing a lot of challenges and, and uh, interesting things happening in, in training in the L&D world. And, and the reason I wanted to talk to you is I'm wondering what you're seeing and how your world has been changed. So I know we're going to talk about the pandemic because, of course, that, that changed everything. But before we do that, um, I want, I'll talk about maybe what was in existence before, uh, and then we'll get to the pandemic. But before we start any of that, so can you introduce yourself and, and just give me a little bit of background on what you do and, uh, and what you do at Stanford? Sure thing. Yeah, my name is Don Cameron. I'm with the Stanford University Technology Training Group, and I'm the instructional design lead within the team. So I've been at Stanford now for about 24 years, um, been with inside this group for tech training for the past 22 years. And I started off as a admin and then worked my way up to being the marketing coordinator, the class coordinator to finally the instructional design lead, mm -hmm. where in my current role, what I do is I work with all of our instructors, including I teach a number of classes about uh, collaboration on campus, mm -hmm. which you can imagine over the past couple of years, uh, people learning how to collaborate now that they are, are working remotely or now in a hybrid situation, you know, some of the best practices are things that we've been teaching in our classes. And so it's something we've been having to carry over. And like for the different tools we teach, how can we use this to make sure there is continuous and, you know, streamlined communication within people on the team and also the manager and the people who are working right. on different projects. So, Don, are you saying that you were teaching collaboration before the pandemic? Oh, yes. I've been teaching now for the past eight or nine years or so. Interesting. And okay. Yeah. I started off uh, teaching, like, uh, some in-person classes. And for the past, you know, six, seven, eight years or so, I've been doing nothing but in-person classes. So, mm -hmm. as of that March of 2020, um, when we moved everything to online, that, you know, changed a lot for us. We... We're doing some online classes. I've been, I was teaching some classes live online, but not mm -hmm. too many. But then we had to move everything to online. Yes, and yeah. So. <laughs> I'm going to get to that because that's a, that's a, everyone is affected by that. And it's interesting to see how people, it's almost like our experience of the earthquake. It's like the day that you find out that your world has changed. And, and it, was a, it was a big day, a big moment for everybody. So we'll get to that for sure. Um, mm -hmm. Before we do that, so... Can you talk a little bit about your your goals or your department's goals for what you do at Stanford? What what are your objectives in in uh, in your L and D world? Sure, our main objectives when, within the technology training group is just to provide training that people need to further their careers, and you know become better at their positions, like better the jobs. Like when you come into something, you sometimes have a new tool that you have to learn. Maybe something is introduced, something is being sunsetted or going away or being retired and for these new tools and for everything that's coming down the road, people are always looking for what can I utilize to make my job or make myself more uh, efficient in my job. So that's our main goal is to keep on top of these different types of tools and provide training for it and ways that make it you know, more efficient for people to attend, whether it be, live online or slowly getting back to in-person classes again. Right, right. But the goal is to get anyone who's interested into, into the classes that they need, it sounds like. Now, are you seeing a change before, yes. the, before so, the pandemic? I'm sorry. Were, were you seeing a change 
and because one of the things we're seeing is there's this category of people now called lifelong learners, which everyone has to be. So, so the training before might have been, well, you have a new system and you have to learn the new system, but now it's skills that might not be attributed directly to a system, but uh, a competency that people need. Did you see that change already happening in your training? Yeah, before the before the pandemic, you know, we would have people who would take classes who are you know fairly new to computers, and they're used to just pencils and papers, and they never worked much on computers. So we did have a competency level of, you know, the most they can do is turn something on and off and be able to type in an email. So there was a lot of handholding for types of classes like that. But since we moved on to the online classes, this is where it makes it tougher for people to get into those classes and. Mm. You know, not just get into them, but also to the know-how, how to run a Zoom, how to get into a Zoom meeting, and how to be able to share your screen. Um, so from those classes, what we have to do is have um, specific parts of those classes where we help people who are new to this, like walk them through, handhold them through these, um, you know, the certain aspects of the classes, right. but also we are providing some self-paced training or there's self-paced self-paced training available also on campus for folks. And they just need to know about how they can get to this, where can, who can they ask questions of? And because it's self-paced, that means that they can take it at their own pace and their yeah. own time, be able to try something over and over again and not feel like they're being lost or being left behind in the class. Well, so, that's interesting. When you talk about self-paced, um, so that would be, are, they, are we talking about online? Obviously online uh, sorts mm -hmm. of classes. And, and if it's self-paced, then it would be uh, packaged material, prepared material, right? Yes, prepared material or something similar to uh, say like online training through LinkedIn Learning, something like that, where okay. you have certain, uh, certain training you can search for and be able to take self-paced training that way, or just do a quick online search and there are so many companies out there that have tutorials or YouTube tutorials mm -hmm. to help you with, you know, take something over and over again to make sure you get a chance to practice and not feel like you're being left behind. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and I, I've taken a few of those myself. They really, some of them have turned out to be really excellent, uh, excellent yeah. courses. I found they're very helpful, especially if I'm teaching in class. I like to look at these self-paced classes just to see, is there anything I'm missing? Mm -hmm. Is there mm -hmm. anything out there that uh, is possibly new that I'm not aware of? So, so for you, it's training for you. Yeah, for me, I try to take as many classes as I can, especially the classes I'm already teaching, because I want to see how somebody else is teaching it and what mm -hmm. can I glean from them? What can I learn from them to help improve my own teaching? Excellent. Excellent. So you really enjoy teaching, it sounds like. Oh, yes, I love it. Yeah. So it's moments of you know, helping somebody who feels stressed when they're coming into a class, they have this low training self-esteem and help mm. them build into uh, being more comfortable with the, with the, what the, what they're learning about or what they're trying nice. to Nice. Nice. That's, I'm sure that I'm sure that's much appreciated. So let's talk about earthquake day. Let's talk about March, 2020. <laughs> what, tell me a little bit about your experience and, and, and the turmoil and just what, how you pivoted uh, in, in that month. What was interesting as, you know, even starting in January and February was a slow decline into people knowing that there is something out there that uh, we need to be more careful, need to have some distance, wear masks, you know, lots of sanitation and or hand sanitizers. 
And I would teach a class in person and we would have people who would want to sit further away from each other because uh, they, they're aware. They, this was like in February of 2020. Right. And then that March where it came down where the, all of Santa Clara County went to the stay-at-home order, we had to quickly turn on a, a pivot on a dime, turn on a dime, whatever the phrase is, to take all of our classes that were in person before and change everything to online. So this was an email out to all the learners, everybody who signed up for classes, you know, moving forward because we had no end date for this, no end time. That's right. And also our instructors to let them know, okay, here's what we're doing, you know, starting today. Mm. And yeah, so it was a learning path of reaching out to everybody saying, okay, this class is now going to be online. And if you're not comfortable taking an online class, let us know we can drop you from the class. But knowing that you're not going to campus, you have to go to this Zoom link. And then we had our process where, you know, what are we going to be doing every day to prepare people for this, to send out Zoom links to people who signed up for classes, what kind of pre-class work they have to do. Um, one of the benefits of having an in-person class is you have machines that already have all of the, um, the software installed on it. Right. So now if it's a class that's, a, you know, you have to have a particular type of software, we have to make sure that people know they need to have this installed on the machine prior to the session. So we had all that on our list that we had to take care of, including the huge project of making sure that nothing gets missed and, you know, have to check off each one of these boxes. And every day we had to do a quick check of what classes are coming up. Do they have the Zoom link? Do the instructors know what to do? And so... It was a lot of fun. It was a great learning experience. Um, yeah, trial by fire. Yes. Right. And of course, as you can imagine, um, you know, the first couple of classes, we would have people saying, I much prefer having an in-person class than an, a live online class. But then, you know, as people got used to it and got used to the reality of where we were at the time, then those complaints became fewer and fewer as people realized that they had to, you know, go with the flow. Well, that's interesting. And, and, you know, as, as a person who taught a class in person and then online, the ch the, we had challenges too. And because I consider myself a technical person, but the challenges, the technical challenges in teaching an online class are very different than other kinds of technical challenges. And, it, and I never knew until I taught the class what I would be faced with because I, it was hard to test the, uh, the reality of that. Did you run mm -hmm. into that with some of your other instructors? Oh, yes, we had to think of it as a full pilot all the way for this as the very first time here is what we're going to learn from it. So mm -hmm. we would have uh, our staff members sit in on the classes mm -hmm. and handle the chat inside the Zoom and just make sure that uh, people with any kind of audio video, audio video issues are taken care of, especially with the instructor. And there are times where we would have a pre-run with the instructor or like a pre-call with the instructor just to make sure things right. were working well for them. But yeah, a lot of issues that came up, including instructors who were having you know, trouble sharing or maybe uh, having trouble taking a look at the chat. Everybody, because we're working from home, we didn't have the setup we have here in the office where we may have a big screen and then a small screen. Mm -hmm. But we had instructors teaching everything off of a small screen. Oh, gosh, yes. And yeah, it was a good learning curve for that. Uh, just a way for us to say, okay, here are what we can improve upon for next time. And then we keep on saying, okay, what worked well, what did not work well based upon the evaluations for the class and go from there. Right, right. 
And now that you're moving, I, I guess we would call this a hybrid world, right? It's never going to be the same. I think we agree on that. But some people really like the changes that happen. Yeah, it's a positive. Um, when we're teaching classes in person, we need to have space for those classes. And oh, we right. have a limited number of classrooms. And we also have people who are around campus who rent our classrooms. Mm. So every time we do scheduling, um, while scheduling, we have to have certain things in mind. We have to know the availability of the instructor and the availability of the room right. and make sure they both match up. Once we went to online only for those past two years, and now we're slowly going into the hybrid situation where we are now, uh, but when we were online only, we didn't have those concerns about the, the rooms. We could actually be running before when it could only be we only run two classes at a time because we only had two labs right. we could now right. hypothetically run you know multiple more than two three four classes at the same time as long as we the instructors were available interesting interesting um and and then you know coming into this this hybrid world what are some of the permanent changes that you see so i know i know we're still transitioning so it's not really kind of we haven't really completely you know it's not over yet completely, but 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 you must also be seeing what, what changes you think are going to be permanent um, for, for what you do. Yeah, the biggest thing that people are looking at is also security. And when we're in a class or if you're sharing material online, you have to be very mm -hmm. careful about what you're sharing inside of a class or inside of a meeting. So that was a big push for you know, the tools like Zoom. You know, it seemed like there was a new security update or new update in Zoom almost oh, every yeah. week. Yeah, that's true. And the interface in Zoom changed so much over the first four or five months as people were working online and, and they're struggling to keep up with all the different issues that people are running into. Uh, you know, people crashing meetings or, um, you know, you can imagine like uh, all the different security items that are, are the different uh, security options available to us now inside of Zoom compared to what we had when we first started. It's true. Um, but when it comes to our classes, the mindset that's changed now is the people can take a class from anywhere. So mm -hmm. before you had to worry about getting on campus in order to get to a place in time, you had to rush. Mm -hmm. Hopefully the train wasn't running late. Hopefully there was no traffic. But now the when it comes to the... Uh, management or any of your you know, managers, uh, bosses, whatnot, uh, people are a lot more flexible when it comes to whether you can work from home or whether right. you're working in the office. Yeah, and so yeah, the biggest issue we had when we first started was people had to turn on a dime to have their setup, their work set up at home. Right. And that's where we had the people with just the, the small uh, laptop. And I would be teaching classes for the first two months from the kitchen table with just a laptop and an old, <laughs> an old monitor that was able to salvage from work. And so now I have a setup in my bedroom where I have a, a desk and I have a microphone, a monitor, and a much better setup now. But you know, at the time, people had to you know, do what they can to quickly mm -hmm. be able to set everything up at home. I'll have and to so ask you about your microphone. <laughs> yes. So I have a nice you know, road microphone that I'm using. Mm. And it's really helpful to make sure things are clear in your classes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's been a challenge for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. So, so, so the permanent change then is your anticipation is you'll, you'll, you'll be going forward. You will be continuing to offer online, but what about mixed classes? What about uh, 
can you support a class that's both uh, online and in person? It was around, I think, the fall of 2020 or maybe even closer to 2021 where we were thinking about, okay, what are the possibilities here? Could we have a class where we can spread people out inside of a room, make sure they're six feet apart or so, and also have people online through Zoom? Mm -hmm. So there are some people at Stanford who have set that up for students where you can see students who are in the classroom and students who are online. And I've taught a few classes like that myself. And it's something that is possible, but it's, uh, we're still learning about what can we do to continue to improve it. Because people who are remote, they may not be getting the same type of advantage of the people in the room. Right. Where the people in the room, they can see everything. They can see you know, more of the, um, like any kind of gestures that the instructor's making where you may just be able to see my face in the training. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But also, if people are having issues in the classroom, the instructor can go around and look over their shoulder at their screen and help them out. Right. Uh, oh, <laughs> one interesting. Of the, yeah. One of the fun things about the classes over Zoom is if somebody had, any pro had a problem where it wasn't working for them on their screen, we would have to wait until the next break. And then during the break, I'd have them share their screen and I'd walk through, you know, what their issue is and get them caught up with the rest of the class. Yes, of course. Of course. I hadn't thought about that. Especially if you have a class with a lot of people, that would be very difficult to manage. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, like uh, there are some classes before where we would you know, have a limit of the people due to the size of the classroom. Now we don't have those limits. So we mm -hmm. could have 30, 40 people in a class, but know that the more people you have, the more opportunity, or I should say the more questions that people may have. Right. And so therefore you have to make sure either that we keep track of all the questions that people have and then do a follow-up email saying, okay, here are the questions that were covered that were asked in the class mm -hmm. uh, because it's could be hard the, to manage the time and also manage up to 30, 40 people in a class. Right. Right. Interesting. You'd almost need like a follow-up, not just for the questions, but um, for some of the hands-on that you're describing mm -hmm. where you need to see what they're doing in order to answer their question. Um, you might need more time to do that. It's an interesting, I hadn't thought about that. So it works well yeah. in webinar type classes where you're just, oh, yes. you're just yeah, okay, okay, okay. Especially over Zoom webinars where they have the Q&A. And right. if you're recording the session, you're able to also record and keep that Q&A afterwards and then be able to refer back to it and say, put all the questions on a, uh, let's say on a Google Doc, Mm -hmm. They'll mm -hmm. do a, a Q&A on that Google Doc and share it out to everybody who's in the session. Interesting. Interesting. And are you doing, uh, are you doing webinars as well as, as just a regular uh, Zoom training? It would depend on the, uh, the size of the classes. Um, right. If I have a class that has about 100 people in it, then I recommend doing it as a webinar. Mm -hmm. Because as a webinar, then it's less... Um, like during a regular class, so I can take a step back here. During a regular class, we have a lot more opportunity for questions throughout and a lot of interruptions throughout the session. Right. But when it comes to webinar, there are so many more opportunities for those distractions, uh, distractions or interruptions for a class. So instead of giving people the opportunity to unmute themselves, they can then post any questions inside the chat, knowing that there's always a chance we may not be able to answer that question in the chat, right. but it will be answered eventually. Right, 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 right. It's probably just easier to manage. It sounds like, you know, if you've got that number of people, it's just an easier thing to manage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And because they changed on Zoom, they changed 
um, you can't you can't uh, you can't unmute people. It used to be that you could uh, you could you could control the muting and unmuting, <laughs> but that was a, I, I missed that. <laughs> yes, now we just have to. We can only ask them to unmute themselves. That's right. Uh, That's right. But as they host, though, at least you can mute them. Though, so if somebody yes. does come into the session. Yeah, that's one of the small things we had issues with, or not issues with, but new instructors who are new to Zoom, um, they would sometimes forget to mute somebody or uh, yes. they would accidentally unmute themselves and then we'd hear those fun background noises that we get um, unintentionally. We all know a lot more about each other, don't we, in their person, our personal <laughs> lives, our pets, our kids, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. One of the things we like saying about uh, any of the classes we teach is that you know if your camera on or your camera off if you have your camera on that means we have more of an opportunity to learn more than we want to know about the person especially if we see a, a kid in the background or if a pet you know just walks in front of the screen and when i was teaching classes in the kitchen you know my cat would think oh great that means he's here to feed me that's right so <laughs> yeah they would be meowing throughout and <laughs> i'd be having to attend uh, with the meowing while also at the same time teaching the class well, you know, it's funny when it first started, uh, everybody was trying to cover that up like that isn't happening and hide the cat and hide the kids. And then it seemed like after a year or so, people were much more relaxed. You know, the cat would go across the screen and it, it, we just didn't worry about it so much. We were we were less worried about how, how it looked. I think everybody was relaxed a little bit more into that. Yeah, it adds more to it. <laughs> In fact, it adds to the conversation. <laughs> yeah, um, it's very much more personalized, right? I was actually part of a conversation about four or five years ago about what would happen if there was a disaster, if there was something that forced people to work from home. Would you be able to? Would you be able to do that tomorrow? And so, yeah, the biggest, yeah, the biggest thing that came up from that was, yes, but how would I have access to all my files, all my papers? And so, oh, interesting. My nice being able to save everything in the cloud these days make it much easier. Yeah. And. Yeah, so when working from home, or should say working remotely, we had to learn more about those type of tools and less about preparing handouts for classes to print and give to people, but more about pro providing a PDF or providing a, mm -hmm. uh, a file during the session or after the session. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, the, the, the burden of printing got distributed, didn't it? I mean, if, if you have a class of 30 people, you're sending it out and 30 people are printing it if they need it, not, not 30 copies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, um, is there any more thing more you want to say about the the pandemic, or you know how how your world is changing? I I have some more questions about just um, your own path uh, with L and D. But um, is there something more that you'd like to know to talk about in terms of the changes that have you've seen in the last two years? Let's see, when it comes to the pandemic and the changes in the past few years, uh, people are a lot more, as you mentioned, relaxed uh, online now. Mm -hmm. And they're a lot more forgiving, too. That's um, true, for, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's forgiving about, you know, you know it's the background noises or even forgiving about, um, let's see here. It, you know, it's more, more relaxed. I think it's the, the biggest thing to take away from this. Um, before we used to be very rigid when it comes to meetings, you know, being here and having everything ready for us. But now it's like, oh, somebody comes into a meeting or somebody comes into a class and don't have the material. Um, you know, we can't blame somebody for maybe missing an email. So this is where we have to make sure we have these resources available where we can right. share them quickly through the chat. So it's just more like being able to do things on the fly as well. 
And that's true. And you know, the other thing I've noticed in teaching the first class I taught online, you know, I was so worried about making a mistake. And then later on, if I made a mistake, everybody in the class could tell me how to fix it because everyone was so much more knowledgeable about, you know, what, what had to happen. Right. Another thing I've learned. Yeah. Another thing I've learned is that the answer is always in the room. So mm-hmm. there are times where somebody would ask a question in the class and if I'm not sure of the answer, I would say, let me check in, just double check, make sure I'm correct and get back to you on this. Um, but there may be some people who may have discovered some workaround for something that's not working for you. And that's where they feel comfortable speaking up. Mm-hmm. Uh, one question I had for you and something you may have noticed over the past couple of years okay. is how do you feel about people who don't have their cameras on? And oh. said, <laughs> well. well, go ahead. Tell me, finish the question. I have a strong, strong feeling about that. I'll give you just my, my quick opinion here. I want to uh, uh, see your opinion as well. I feel that uh, people see this as a way for them to feel more relaxed during the classes, but also more engaged to ask questions, especially inside the chat. They don't feel like everybody's staring at them while they're asking the question. Mm. And so, but when people don't have the cameras on and I've taught classes before with, you know, 16 to 20 people and not one person would have their camera on. So it feels like uh, sometimes like you're doing a, a podcast and you're, you know that somebody's out there listening, but uh, it's only inside the chat where you can actually uh, know that they're still there and still engaged. But what are your thoughts on that aspect of Zoom? Well, I have an opinion on everything. This is my personality, but uh, my, I, I like the cameras on. I like the cameras on because, because I, I, it's a way of staying engaged. Now it's more difficult as you know, when you're teaching because you don't get the full screen, you know, I've got my documents or slides or whatever. Often I'm not seeing the whole thing, but, but I, I, uh, what I found is that in a class, you'll have people that just don't engage, you know, Mm -hmm. you have to constantly reach out to them. And and when I can see their cameras on, it's easier for me because I see a facial expression or a reaction. If I don't have anything to work with, then um, I just feel like sometimes I'm leaving people out of the discussion. I'm not, if I were in the classroom, I would know how to do that through, I would see the body language, I would see whatever I need to see, and I could re-engage them. And so without cameras, I, I don't have any way of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I prefer the cameras on. Yeah, I, I, I go either way because I know sometimes if people don't have the cameras on, it could be because if the camera is on, it could be slowing down their system. That's true. That's true. And I often mm-hmm. tell people as a, as a workaround to, to bad internet to turn the camera off. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, but then come back in occasionally. Um, I have, I have strong feelings of much, much stronger feelings about it when it comes to meetings than I do about teaching. Oh, yes. yeah. uh, so in a meeting, if you have your camera off, well, I'm sorry, you know, go, go away. <laughs> you know, it's, I don't think you're engaged at all. Um, I'm a lot, a lot less uh, uh, cut and dry when it comes to classes. My preference mm-hmm. is the cameras on. Yeah, one thing I like to do in classes to keep people engaged is I don't call people out. Like I don't say, Linda, what do you think is the answer to this? If I'm making an example of something, like say that if I'm saying I'm sharing a document and let's say I share this document to Linda and then Linda gives me this, then that person in the class was like, oh, he's mentioning my name. And so they're, they feel like they're uh, more engaged now in the class. So they're paying a little more attention just in case that they weren't. So even if I don't right. see their camera on, I still yes, like to yes. like uh, call people's names as examples without actually putting them on the spot. You know, Don, that's really great. I, I, I found that also to be very effective um, because in the beginning of the class, often I find I try to find out what their goals are for the class. 
what their mm -hmm. what their overall questions are so i get a sense of who they are and then that gives you a way to come back and say you know david you know this was one of your concerns and here's something exactly. to address it but you're absolutely right um but that is a challenge that is a challenge i think everyone faces in the online classes is how to continue how to make sure that the people who are attending your class are engaged mm -hmm. um, that's because one of the benefits miss, of the oh sorry i was just going to say you missed that i missed the the visual i missed the body language visual yeah yeah, it's one of the benefits of the chat is that if I ask people to introduce themselves inside the chat, then let me know your name, your department, and what's number one reason why you're here, or what's number one challenge you have coming into this class. And then during the class, I can scroll up to the chat and I can always check to see, okay, Dave said this, so here's where I can point this as an example and bring it back to Dave. Yeah, that's that's true. I, I will admit, I will admit that as soon as I find it challenging to manage the chat as well as the presentation as well as the visuals. You know, it's, sometimes it's a lot to to take in um, mm -hmm. when when you're when you're trying to go through your own material. So um, sometimes what I do is is I, I I print the chat out and and I mm -hmm. and I have a way of referring to it. So yeah, lots mm -hmm. of challenges, lots of new challenges in this kind and of teaching. As you can guess, I could talk about this for the next half hour to an hour or so. It's one of those things I really enjoy talking about. What can we do to improve? Like, what kind of things can we pass on to help each other out? Uh, any kind of tips. But, uh, you know, I don't want to go too deep into that. That's no, that's fine. In fact, I was just going to do some wrap up. And, and that's exactly what I was going to ask you is, <laughs> is uh, you know, you talked a little bit about your path uh, when we first started about your path to L&D. Um, and, and it sounds like you, some of the strategy you, strategies you use for staying on top of the challenges is just, uh, it sounds like you think a lot about this, uh, that you think a lot about how to, how to be more effective at this. So, you know, that's how, and then I like the idea that you're actually teaching yourself because you have, you experience kind of the challenges that, that other instructors have. And, and it, does that change? Do you think that changes uh, what you put together in terms of your own training and the things that you offer? Like how, did, oh, how does your own teaching affect how you deal with other instructors? So I learn from my own mistakes and I learn from seeing or watching other people talk or other people teach. And so that's why evaluations and feedback is very important to me. Mm -hmm. um, the feedback, uh, my favorite kind of feedback is not the ones where people give all fives and great class. I agree. But the ones where they give you twos and threes and then they let you know, okay, here is what worked well. Here's what didn't work well. And I save those feedback and I refer back to that feedback next time I'm teaching the class mm -hmm. to see, okay, this person said that I took too much time on this and too little time on this. What can I do to improve upon that? And so that kind of feedback is something I also like to uh, pass on to other instructors. So I like to meet with our new instructors after each class, after their first class, I should say, right. just to give them the feedback and talk about, you know, get their feedback as well. What do you think went well? What yeah. do you think did not go well? And what can we do to improve? And then we have a discussion and then really makes them feel more comfortable going into the next class, mm -hmm. knowing that we went over, you know, what went well and we weren't, like we had the, the, the whole compliment sandwich, like uh, here's what right. went well, yes. you know, the good, the bad, and the good. <laughs> That's great. That's great. And yeah, it's just a way to continue to, work with the instructors to continue to improve and that's where the feedback's very helpful for us well don it's been a pleasure to talk to you because you, you you enjoy your work and that's always a pleasure to talk to people that enjoy their work um and i just my last question will be and i think mm -hmm. i asked this earlier about the pandemic but just overall 
Is there something that I haven't asked you that you would really like to to have a chance to chat about? Oh, let's see here. I was thinking about that question earlier. Um, <laughs> well, I guess the one thing is, what can we do to continue to improve? And that's the, my number one thing is I haven't taught the perfect class yet. And I always want to improve upon my last class I taught. And so this is where the lifelong learner is what we strive to be because there's always so much more out there. So I guess the question that, um, or to the answer, the answer to the unasked question is about the, what can we do moving forward? And that's why yeah. you know, take as much training as you can, especially on your own topics, just to see what's more, what other people are teaching and how other instructors are managing the classes, managing the material and mm. see what you can from what went well and what did not go well with them. Mm-hmm. And also just keep on opening yourself up to feedback and, you know, keep on joining in the conversations whenever you can online, whether it be through LinkedIn, whether it be through any kind of, um, online channels where people are discussing what's coming up in training just so you can keep on being aware of what's coming, coming up down the, down the road. That's great, Don. That's how you stay on top of what you do. And that's great. Well, I have no more questions for now. And, and I'm sure I've got a thousand questions, but I think I'll, I'll cut it off. Um, and thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. No problem. Thank you very much for 